Welcome to Backlog Dialogues, the podcast where we take you out of your backlog before it buries you. I'm John, and joining me as always are the Flounder and Sebastian to my Ariel. I will spare you my Jamaican accent. I'm Jared. How come you get to be the Jamaican crab? Anyway, I'm Matt. First come, first serve. You should have been quicker. Yeah, claim it. <laughs> claim that shit. <laughs> this week... We are finishing off Kingdom Hearts 3 with a big speed run of all the side content necessary to get the true secret ending. And oh boy, there's a lot of stuff to do. What? I hate to stop you said Kingdom Hearts 3. Shit. Today we're <laughs> Today we are doing the blah. I forgot how I even started that. Fuck. Today we're doing a speed run of all the content necessary to get the secret ending to Kingdom Hearts 2. Yes. Yes, that is what we are doing. And you, you can't play dumb to get your way out of this either. No, it. Uh, I, my brain, my mind refuses to do this. So can we just get Atlantica out of the way first? Because I fucking hate it. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm fine with that. It's not like we're going to be treading any new ground. I remember even, the, even when it first came out, everyone hated this section. We have been advocating for embracing the cringe but this might just be too much cringe for any of us i mean well there's cringe as embarrassing and literally cringing away from horrible pain this is the uh whatchamacallit box from dune i haven't seen dune yet this this one thing is that <laughs> the box thing. doesn't have it the box doesn't have the name it's the poison needle that's a gamjabar okay whatever so we whatever. we know what's, oh, go what's ahead. inside the box pain <laughs> What's inside the box? Atlantica. Now it hit Broadway show. Off Broadway. I would say way off Broadway. Is there a tier <laughs> lower than straight to video? Sci-fi channel original. Asylum Blockbuster. Yeah. Something like Ooh, that. I Sounds know. About right. Pure flicks. What is a pure flicks? Oh, you shouldn't have asked. Uh, Christian bullshit movies. There were some Blockbuster exclusive things. I used to work at a Blockbuster before it died in my teens. Oh, no. Poor Blockbuster. I miss Blockbuster. I miss renting video games, even though like all the JRPGs were always rented out whenever I went to Blockbuster and it made me sad. Like the the weekends where I managed to pick up Lufia 2 or one of the Final Fantasies, something like that, Earthbound, before I was able to actually like scrounge up enough money to get one of those games, finding it in the Blockbuster was always the happiest time. Actually, I can tell you that the JRPGs were the most perennially late video games that they had by a long shot. They're long play games and you and it's really you really probably people wanted to finish them. Yep. Yeah. So so basically, I remember specifically there was one guy who came in, brought it back and he had like a like a hundred and fifty dollar late fee. It was crazy. Oof. Holy shit. Which game? Buy the game, man. Uh, I think it was Final Fantasy seven, actually. That's not even what was all that rare on the shelves. It's not like Final Fantasy 3. It hit greatest hits almost immediately. A year or two later, it was 20 bucks. Just fucking buy the game, yo. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. So we got to talk about this. Yeah, like every single fiber of my being does not want to talk about this. Heck, here, this is what I have in my notes at the start of the section about Atlantica. No, 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 no. The things I do for completion. (laughs) The worst part is going to be suffering through all this again for 100%. I committed myself to that and I got to do it. I'm just glad I don't need to do gummy shit for 100% completion. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, right. Atlantica. That's how (laughs) little I want to do Atlantica. 
So anyways, let's get started. Yes. Gosh. We start out with a scene of surface of water, something we're only ever going to see in cutscenes, like much of the world. Mm-hmm. And Ariel, you know, she's happily just hopping around in and out of the water. When we're going to actually decide, we need to have the plot of the original movie. Yeah. The entire time in the last game of Kingdom Hearts, we didn't actually really do anything with the plot of Little Mermaid. Ah, train just train just yelled at us for being from another world. Yep. And so at the start of this, Ariel sings a breathy version of Part of Your World acapella. It's the least offensive song in this entire section. When you say breathy, it's kind of like she's singing it almost under her breath, but since you can't do that with singing, it, yep. you get this lot of extra air there. It's like the yep. whisper singing. Yeah, and honestly, this one's probably the best because the the one that is actually, you know, written by the Disney songsmiths, and they can actually write a decent song. There are a few songs that are written by the Disney songsmiths that we're going to deal with here, too. I suppose. Unfortunately, they're still not great. <laughs> Because they're they're poor alternate versions. So anyways, we, the boys show up. They transform to their old aqua forms. Yeah, I have on my notes. Donald is so excited to be under the sea. The fucking Pratt. Every single one of my notes is bitter as fuck at this point. I like I, I do not want to be here. <laughs> under the sea was actually a very good song back in back when it started. I mean, like the the it was one of the better songs in that film. Yes, but he's not singing under the sea. He's trying to be it. So that's just. A yes, I know. Right? I know. Yep. I mean, Ariel shows up and they're just going to remind us how to swim. And she still doesn't seem to know that we aren't always this shape. So it's confusing. So <laughs> at the same time, though, we will quickly notice we do not have an attack option down here. The characters oh, no. make clear that no, nothing's going on here. Everything is perfectly great. Yeah, there is actually no reason for Sora, Dahl, and Goofy to be here at all. <laughs> we are not necessary for this. <laughs> it, like... This is side content to the absolute extreme. And the fact that this is required to get a, quite a few things makes me very sad. By the well, way, sorry, tiny pause. Go for it. I just ran across. I just went, which voice would this Dune line be funniest in? Is by will alone, I set my mind in motion. Uh, Probably Ansem slash Xehanort slash Xemnas. <laughs> It is by will alone that I set my mind in motion. See, it's perfect. Strangely, that time he made me think of No Cat doing that brutal history guy. I can't uh, explain it, but uh, Dan Carlin, whatever his name is, I, I just uh, hardcore it. and it's hardcore history is what it is. Fair enough. I only know it from No Cat talking. Mom, he's not so familiar. Some, somehow, and, the way you said it reminds me of them talking in his voice. Uh, from what I understand, hardcore history is basically like six fucking hour long breakdowns of historical events and. With Dan Carlin doing that voice the entire time. I'm sure there's times that can be very fascinating, but I bet also can be very tiring. I've heard it's amazing. I've heard it's a great podcast. I actually realized that Sora's voice being really earnest and emotional would probably be really good to read the uh, Litany Against Fear in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, guys. Well, later, later. We, I was just anyway. Being, we are so, so off, off, topic. Tra- off topic here because, oh, my gosh, Ariel Sebastian of Flounder. They invite us to sing in a musical extravaganza. Oh, no. This is a crime against musical theater. I mean, we, the, the show, it cannot stop highlighting to us how pointless this is. <laughs> Triton shows up, asks, do you need to use your keyblade? And then he fucks off because apparently not. He fucks off when he hears we are going to be in the chorus immediately. Yep. He's the king. He knows a war crime when he sees one. 
He does tell us that Ariel is sad about the surface. That is a plot point. <laughs> we get a tutorial for the music controls because, of course. Yeah, and I have in my notes that Goofy, the smartest member of our party, is hesitant. We should listen to Goofy. <laughs> they listen to Goofy so they, they need to listen to Goofy way more than they do. And believe me, right now is the moment we definitely should have because we're beginning with Swim This Way. <laughs> I will not swim this way. If I heard this song playing, I would immediately swim in the opposite direction. I'm yeah. being out of the pool. In fact, I'm done swimming. Yeah, I have in my notes. I really fucking wonder what happened here. The meter is all off in this awful song. It It is so terrible. This song is... Ugh. Go ahead. You're actually right. I know basically nothing about music theory. And even I could tell that the meter in this song is completely fucked. I got a bit more experience. I did I did several bits of music in high school and my family members, several have been like music teaching that. So I kind of osmosed some. I'm going to get into this. The song is completely atonal. Like it can't hold its key. The singers don't make any sort of chords. It's it's dissonant against the instruments. They're kind of just meandering with just this, uh, I would call it a xylophone tinkering along. And then it decides we're going to hit these staccato high notes and go like, that's that's. That's just these high shrieks that just spike into your <laughs> ear, mostly just so you can hit X buttons to match them. It's and it's <laughs> it's 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 tempo is right. It's rushing over itself. It, it just doesn't end. Yep. You're probably going to do it twice because the controls are a little unintuitive. So you're going to fucking do it twice and you're going to hear it twice. So I have an admission. I'm actually a pretty decent rhythm game player and I sight read notes uh, in rhythm games. So I actually turned the sound off the second time I played through all of these. It was just just easier to uh, read the uh, the motion of the uh, indicators. Yes, exactly. That makes sense. I, I like rhythm games well enough, but I usually need at least a little audio. I'm actually better with my ear than with the uh, the visual. I can usually pick up the sound better than I can the. Uh, I'm better when I can hear the ear, but the judgments on this are, you know, you can drive a Mack truck through them. So. Yep. I can I, I can usually read the indicators well enough. Believe me, I'm rooting for the truck. <laughs> and of course, to add a bit of insult to injury, after the song, Donald decided that he wanted more lines, the fucking prat. <laughs> Boy, you see that specific thoughts there. I am very annoyed with Donald in this section. Can you tell? <laughs> Donald is is not a good singer, obviously. I I love what I love how the uh, new Ducktales weaponized that and made fun of it in multiple episodes. Like he yes. can destroy giant plant monsters with voice, but also like it actually have like how someone who cares for him hears them singing. So then I have on the notes the awful song finale causes a very stupid person on the beach to call out to Ariel. And here's where the game gets really sick because we could have unlocked this way back of the second set of worlds, but the thing is. They deliberately put up these skill walls like you need certain abilities or certain stats. So if you play it as is, you're coming back to this over and over again throughout the game. Yeah. Which yeah. is why we put it off for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Just do this all at once. Yeah. Do not subject yourself to this over the course of the entire game. Just rip that Band-Aid right off. So it's because Ariel sees a statue she wants and they want and you need Mag to get it. You don't have it when you first show up. <laughs> yep. It is better to bang your fist on the lever to remove the fingernail all at once rather than pulling it off slowly. God damn it. We can't make that reference yet. <laughs> <laughs> so so what's so we move on to the next uh, chapter part of part of your world. So they start the scene by where we've managed to free the statue Ariel wanted for a junk pile. Kentakun, Omochikairi. <laughs> 
We also can't make that joke yet. And I gotta <laughs> say, the, the game decides it's going to do a chunk of power of your world literally in the game engine. And, you know, this one doesn't hurt nearly as much as Swim This Way because near would that fingernail thing hurt as much as Swim This Way. Yeah, this one... <laughs> but This one is, you know, one of the original Little Mermaid songs, so it's not yeah. too bad. It's just a poor version. It's Jodie Benson, the original voice of Ariel. She's still a great singer. The song was one of the original works, but it just... It comes off very soft... Very weak. The the mechanics don't complement it at all. You're just, again slamming buttons, and you know, so on top of the goofy, you're just wandering around, not sure what to do. They're playing with various fiddly toys in there. That's it. That's what they're doing. It just it's kind of a dick move. I'm not gonna come over to your house and start rummaging through the drawers. I mean, but if you're putting all your collection stuff on display, don't you kind of want people to admire it? Well, because museums really have. Please touch our artifacts. Yeah, like that is my sort of dream house, actually. It's just like all my random collectible shit on display. And I would want people to look around and go, hey, that's cool. Though I do have to say that Ariel's idea of what is cute and what is interesting is kind of odd. But, you know. Yeah, yeah, I have in my notes, Ariel is horny as heck for the statue of the prince. Legs are sexy. Ariel and Wally need to exchange notes. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you think? Oh, Wally, why can't we have a world for you in Kingdom Hearts? So after we do part of your world, which is one of the least painful ones, Sebastian wants to sing a new song, but it's too complicated. So we need more drive gauge. The fuck? Does that mean drive gauge is also used for singing? Well, I don't know. Wait, does that mean that the uh, drive forms are actually simple gears? (laughs) I don't know if we'll ever be able to make that reference. (laughs) I don't give a shit. Which who among us has the highest drive gauge? Did any of us ever do chorus in in school or I did? I did choir in elementary school and not afterwards. But I also was in marching band for four years. Chorus all the way through high school, band all the way through high school with our things. And I played low brass, so I probably have the highest lung capacity here. So, Jared, you have the largest drive gauge out of any of us. I'm so motivated. So, yeah, Sebastian's plan is he thinks if we do a cool enough song, Ariel will stop being sulky about it. And he doesn't have to to get in trouble with the king for her her hoarding habits. Yep. Yep. So we get Under the Sea, which is yet another original Little Mermaid song. But it's a poor version for whatever reason. Yeah, it's, yeah, I have my notes. Yep, it's a weird version of Under the Sea. I remember liking this song a lot when I was a kid, but it just there's no excitement in this version to me. I'm a big fan of Disney songs. One of the flaws here is these are all shortened versions of them. Most of the Disney songs are successful as full pieces. Does this one even do the like the, the fun bridge with the different types of, of fish in it? I don't think it does. Which is a shame, but that's one of the funnest parts. And, and also it has Haley Joel Osment singing, which... I don't want to be mean to the guy. I like almost everything I see him in, but they told him to sing the flattest, most unenthusiastic person of this bouncy song possible. Little sidebar, actually. Uh, I was watching a few videos of Haley Joel Osment in random TV roles, and every, just like uh, specifically the point of the scenes is Haley Joel Osment slips into Sora voice accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is so funny to listen. He's just like in one character role, and then all of a sudden, holy shit, it's Sora for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I'm not entirely unconvinced that maybe uh, I am trying to think how I would put this. Maybe he just wants to make sure he never sounds like he's from Sixth Sense ever again. That's actually a good goal. 
I would much rather be regarded as Sora rather than the kid from Sixth Sense. Mm. <laughs> At least then I'd be or, in or, Smash. You know, or, you know, the kid from our, from AI. <laughs> he was in AI, too, huh? Shit. He has a he has an interesting history as as a child actor to an adult actor. You don't see that, yeah. that often. Well, like as a child actor, he's in all these prestige movies directed by Steven Spielberg and and by Shamwow. But and now <laughs> and now he appears in stuff like Star Trek Lower Decks, where he's hilarious in it. Yeah, hmm. he is a very successful voice actor now and also TV actor, like live action TV actor. He shows up. It's great. Yeah. It's better than some of those child actors who ended up becoming born again Christians and appearing in those bad Christian films. <laughs> Isn't Charlie Kirk one of those? I don't think Charlie Kirk was an actor. Oh, um, who am I thinking of? There was one guy. Kirk Cameron. Oh, Kirk Cameron. Yeah, it was a Kirk. You're thinking, you're thinking unfortunately, you're thinking of Kirk Cameron, who literally yeah. destroyed his show by becoming such a horrible Christian that no one would want to work with him anymore. Yeah, he yeah. Literally made them re, he literally made him rewrite the story throughout his character's girlfriend character because he was slut shaming her. Wow. I know Melissa Joan Hart is a chud. Is she a Christian chud or just yeah. regular chud? She's she's gone pretty. She's gone pretty Christian level. Unfortunately. OK. Wow, that's surprising. Wasn't she Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. And Oh, that's... And Clarissa from Clarissa Explains It All. And then yeah, like when I, I learned that, when I learned that she had gone to all this far right bullshit, I was just like, well, that goes away into my memory palace only to come I up in a podcast. <laughs> she, she was the lead actor in God's Not Dead 2. That tells you her level. Oh, holy <sighs> crap. <sighs> that gives me the Ghibli's. I don't even want to be too hateful because I don't feel like deliberately picking a fight with certain types of people. But that's, that is such a screaming. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway. and now, I must, I, now I must point out that we would rather talk about shitty actors than this fucking section of this game. We, we would rather attract <laughs> right wing trolls to talk about what's about to happen. So basically, Ariel paid the song. She wandered off. Yeah. Right. And Triton learns why she's mad. Because Sebastian's just talking out loud about everything he's worried about because he can't he has no inner monologue. He can't keep secrets. Yep. And then just to keep the plot moving, Prince Eric drops a pendant and we can't get it until we upgrade Magnet to Magnera. Where is it that we can't reach? it? I can't remember. I do not remember either. I think it's under like a rock or something. Jeez. So anyways, now once you get Magnera, it's time to do basically the entire plot in one section. Yes. Fourth song, Ursula's Revenge, which. <laughs> oh, no, it's probably the most stupid fun for me. This it, it, this song is so dumb. I just can't. I can't. We, we got to get there. There's this song. We got to get. Yeah, we have yeah, to get nice through this. Long run up <laughs> like once. OK, once we get through this, it will be smooth sailing for the rest of the episode. Let's just keep going. So really, we start with Triton barging in and smash ships of aerial stuff, especially that statue we had to get her. Yep. Yeah, Ariel goes off to grieve. Ursula shows up offering to, quote unquote, help. Triton wins the bad dad award for the game. Again. Mm-hmm. It's like, didn't we kill you before? Shut up. Yeah, stop questioning <laughs> the plot, Ursula, y'all. yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so Ursula, she's she's speed rapping, too. No time for her song, which is a pretty cool one. The original movie, No Poor Unfortunate Souls. Mm-hmm. Instead, she just steals Ariel's voice, turns a human 50 feet, like 500 feet underwater, almost kills her. Yep. Sora grabs Ariel, just kind of throws her on the beach and leaves her there, judging from what happens in between. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like we, it's not like we can turn into humans to help her on the surface. Wait, wait, <laughs> I, bl- I bl- <laughs> fucking Donald that Pratt. <laughs> His spell was too good. 
Yep. Donald is enjoying being an octopus too much. Well, you know, he normally just notes Toad many pigs, so. Yep. <laughs> so and everyone says he's from Final Fantasy, so he only has so many transform spells. Very true. Very true. So, yeah, we go check on Ariel. A bunch of plot happens and then we to get to the song. So, like, yeah, like I said, we want let's, I mean, let's just kind of let's jump through about as fast as the uh, game does. We watch Eric and Ariel for a day, just kind of creepy and them from out in the water. Kiss the girl happens without any music mitigate. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's it's not in any sort of lagoon. There's no music. And the whole thing happens when they almost kiss and the uh, and the eels ruin it. Yep. Then, and then just next day, we just have human Ursula. human Ursula. <laughs> Except we get human Ursula just just using a little bit of needle drop from Ariel singing, nothing else. And then Zora's just like, no, fuck this plot. And he solves the imposter issue with key lasers. Yeah, just for out of the ocean, he just blasts a laser right at her necklace. <laughs> Perfect shot, I say. Yeah. <laughs> just. It's just. Yeah. Zora's done with the plot. Yeah. Key lasers are just cheat codes or plot skip tickets. One or the yes, other. They are. Or both. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ariel gets her voice back. Ursula turns into her normal form, flaws the contract. Triton gives her fucking Triton to overturn the contract's terms. It just like this happens within like a minute and a half. Yeah, without any of the like big build up in the story. It's just like got to We got to get that checklist going. It's the cliff no- cliff notes to uh, the Little Mermaid. Not even that it makes everything weird because that means without seeing Ariel swim, Eric swims all the way underwater to throw a spear at Ursula's face. Misses, of course. And then we get. One of the most nightmarish songs ever conceived by man. Yeah, yeah. Ursula's Revenge is ridiculous. It's it's this terrible recitivo. I don't know who's voicing Ursula this time later, but they clearly didn't trust her to sing at all. So she's just kind of chanting her lines about how this is her time and, and everything's gone to plan. Yep. Well, she's turned giant. This created this giant whirlpool. Sora down the goofy are kind of bouncing through. They smack off her face at one point. Yep. It's and like it, a boss it, fight is happening. It's, it's a boss fight happening entirely with a very bad music minigame. It does give us one great line. Sorry, mommy. Your poopsies are toast. This is just the worst line ever. I'm sorry. Well, but it's the, Sora gloating about murder. Yeah. In the context <laughs> of the line, it sounds uh, it stands out as more than just the crap that it is. It's a you know, shining turd on a pile of shit. I mean, <laughs> original Disney, things go to hell. Like, like that's when the Ursula goes crazy and full size because she accidentally blows up her eels. In this sword, just blast them with chelations until they're gone. Yep. <laughs> and then he mocks her for it. She didn't notice. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> And then the song ends with her saying she's going to win. So, you know, the the fight hasn't ended. So we're going to go back to cutscenes after she's finally done rambling at us. Yep. So Eric decides that the way to solve all these mermaid problems is just to learn how to fucking swim. Finally. And it may sound like we're ignoring what happened to Ursula. It's because it's almost nothing. Like Eric actually gets to try and stabs her with it. That doesn't happen in the movie. But my understanding is that was like one of the original storyboard plans. Yep. Also, isn't that more or less what happens in the original uh, the original fairy tale? Wasn't it a Christian Anderson one or something? Oh, no, 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 no. That's such a dark, miserable little tale. Like, the Hans Christian Anderson tale is, like, straight up tragedy. Christian tragedy, not to be a pun. Oh, gotcha. Well... There's also a little bit of LGBT uh, uh, undertones for it, of Hans Christian Andersen being uh, kind of. I thought he was known bisexual. Uh, something like that, um, like lamenting that he can't actually 
be the person that his lover wants. Gotcha. That kind of thing. And so, I mean, in the original tale, the 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 witch who is a neutral figure tells Mermaid, "Well, you can go back and not just solve the sea phone if you fucking murder him." But she doesn't, <laughs> so she dies, and then she goes to heaven to be an air spirit. I don't get it. it yeah, let's uh, let's not talk about the Hans Christian Andersen story much. We have so little left, and I just like yeah, like <laughs> but yeah, we could either animate another song on the surface or spend time getting the uh, deafness right on the. Freakish facsimile of Johnny Depp. I think they spent their time well. Well, what would he have been if they put less time into him? But hey, we got the mysterious Abyss Keyblade here. Yay. It's a Keyblade that buffs ice magic. Yay. Well, that's okay, but they still have some more crimes they need to commit on their ears. So we have <laughs> we need Thundaga for one last song. Yep. We need Thundaga to specifically do the special effects for this song. <laughs> that is the porpoise of it. I said porpoise. Ugh, I said porpoise. I said porpoise. I totally did. Bad. I do not feel bad at all. <laughs> yeah. So this song is just everything wrong. It's just this weak little fanfare. Like, yay, everything's great now. Who gave Donald lines? Who gave Donald lines? The three caballeros aren't here. The, you, can't, you don't get this excuse. Yeah. And I think the absolute biggest tragedy of this final song, which is called A New Day is Dawning, which you could already say is the fucking worst title of any song in this. Hands down. <laughs> And the worst thing of all in it, the most absolute blasphemy, is that Ariel does not do the correct order for Sora, Donald, and Goofy. Isn't it for a rhyme? It's Donald, Goofy, and Sora, is what she says, I believe. Yeah. And yeah, and then they and then they just awkwardly swim in singing at them. They don't seem yeah. to have rehearsed anything. It's not even really for a rhyme. It's just that's the order she chooses. And it's heresy. <laughs> that's wrong. You can't do yeah. that, Ariel. Yeah, it might be the worst song of them all. I mean, are you sure? Because might. So <laughs> now we clear the song and despite them clearly not deserving this, this created a key gate, which I still don't know what does in this in this version of the universe. Yep. And the world gate is a bubble for. I don't know. <laughs> it's about how substantive this world was. Yep. Yeah, it, it is as ephemeral and light as a bubble and yet also extremely offensive. So I don't know how to make that metaphor work. So it's the so it's the dirty bubble from SpongeBob. Ew. <laughs> that character's a villain. Yeah, we're a fucking done here, but not before Sora, Donald, and Goofy decide to serenade us. So you know what's worse than just Donald Squawk singing? Like if they aren't making it work with the music, is if you put him in unison with the other two. So you're not even hearing his words; you're just hearing him going wah, 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 under every line, just making the the chords from hell. Yeah, and it, it's like. The three of them, I think, almost as an act of vengeance, coordinate this completely awful verse. Yeah. As now a farewell. Their song was, yay, you and, say this. Their song is, well, we're leaving now, but we're still friends, we swear. And guess what? We never come back here. <laughs> and, and that icy chill down your back is how we know that Blizzard became Blizzaga from this. Yep. <laughs> oh, and if you want and full if, completion in your journal, you need to do each song again. And nope, I'm off. My life is hell. I resigned myself to doing them. I'm just glad I can do it by sight reading with the sound off. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, we're free. We we're don't have to do we, that. We can do the better, better things now. First, like, though, we got a bit of like, weird things. Yeah. Like we can watch a stuffed bear have as essential crises about memories. Let's head back to Hundred Acre Woods. We briefly touched on this before. Now we're going to do it all at once. Yep. I actually like the Hundred Acre Woods in Kingdom Hearts 2. Oh, it's great. This might I, be my favorite. 
I feel like the quote unquote story rules are weird. Things just seem to spontaneously fix themselves. True. Like, so we're going to go through some more specific events. Like, first, like the first page we insert, we're going to get Wednesday. Wednesday. I can't do the cute little whistle that Gopher does when he says Wednesday. But honestly, though, Jared, I think part of the theme of of Winnie the Pooh is it kind of makes sense that things fix themselves if you just wait. Because that's kind of how Winnie the Pooh works. Or they or they fix things if you get a kid with a key to come along and fix them for you. Yes. In a weird right. minigame. So, yeah. Well, Sora very much is a deus ex machina in most worlds, isn't he? Self-insert. Yeah, same thing. He does anything. Yeah, he d- he, he has a powerful key that does anything he wants it to. So, yeah. Good thing, good thing there's a limited number of those. Yep. So as we head in <laughs> with our with our first batch of pages, we meet Gopher, who talks about Wednesday. And I still can't do that whistle. It, it's it's very difficult. You have to be able you, to do you, like a sharp to, like in between the teeth whistle as you speak. Yeah. Yep. So Pooh wishes everyone a happy Wednesday, even though he doesn't know who anyone is. It's funny. He he's the rudest bear in existence, but he speaks rather politely. Yes. Yes. I think that <laughs> yes, he is. That, he's that, a very that, good that, example of how how politeness isn't the same thing as decency. Very true. <laughs> and politeness is saying thanks as you do whatever the fuck you want. Yep. So, yeah. So and we, then we find out we got to help get Piglet out of a tree because Piglet is tiny and gets picked up by a slight breeze. Yes. <laughs> but somehow to do this, we're going to do a minigame where we ride the winds. Yep. It's called Blustery Rescue. And we got to save Piglet and collect honey. Mostly collect honey. <laughs> Mostly collect honey. Well, we, it's in order to keep poo ever so slightly tamed, we need to have a constant flow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Honey rhymes with money, of course. Yes. And it's spelled the same. And the love of money is the root of all evil. We're getting somewhere with this. I'm just not sure where. No, I don't know if we are. But yeah, after the okay, minigame, like, uh, oh, also, like, if you get hit in the minigame, you lose poo and you can't gather any more honey. So you have to just, like, catch poo before you get go flying around to gather more honey. It's kind of like, like Yoshi's Island, but in reverse. <laughs> and, poo, <laughs> and poo doesn't squall. What? Cry. You said Yoshi Island. We rather have Pooh crying yeah. than Baby Mario. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay, okay. I I was I heard Squall and I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, that's Leah. I think he was thinking Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's Leah. So yeah, but Pooh had just not remembered Piglet, and just after the minigame happened, suddenly he remembers Piglet again. Yep. And we talk Piglet into jumping out of a tree. Who still doesn't remember Sora? Yeah. He's like, oh, do you remember me? Nope. Nope. It's almost fuck you. Heartless. <laughs> Just like Pooh cheerfully says nope and flips him off. <laughs> yep. He's somebody I don't know. Yep. Damn it, so no. next page is Eeyore's house and we can yes. go to Rabbit's house too. Because that's what you expect when you go into Eeyore's house and end up at Rabbit's house. Yeah. I mean, Eeyore's house is literally just a pile of sticks that he put together in a place slightly resembling a house. Yeah, well, you know, it's not much of a home, but it's his. Yep. It's more of a rickety tent, isn't it? Not even that. It doesn't even have a tarp over it. It's kind of like a lean-to made out of sticks. Yep. Gotcha. And then, of course, Pooh floats in a balloon and just lands on it. Yep. He's a careless jerk who doesn't think about how his actions affect others. And unfortunately, Eeyore takes everything in stride because he's Eeyore. And just to add a little bit of insert to injury, who doesn't remember Eeyore anyway at all? So fuck it, right? 
as I recall, something like he's not. Who almost says that he's nothing worth remembering. So it's almost that brutal. Fuck. Yeah. Mood. And, and they decide that maybe Pooh's just too hungry to remember people. So let's take Pooh to the honey stash Rabbit has. Yep. And everyone well, enables Pooh's gluttony, and also because fuck Rabbit. Rabbit, <laughs> you know, he's kind of shrill, kind of bossy, but does he really deserve the shit that happens to him? No. <laughs> yeah, Rabbit is the only responsible one in the entire Hundred Acre Wood. Kanga? No, Kanga's not responsible. She leaves Rue in the care of Tigger. So yeah. I was going to say Kanga is the only one. Kanga's aggressively overprotective, doesn't really listen to people, though she's better than some of them. Owl's a bullshit artist who pretends he knows what he's talking about. It just keeps going. Gopher's, Gopher's pretty good, but he stays to himself. Yep. So, yeah, the next minigame we have is my favorite. It's the Honey Slider minigame. Because Pooh is still hungry, and Rabbit apparently hid his honey just kind of everywhere. Yep. So, and this one has fourth wall breaking weirdness. Fuck yeah. Basically, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, I can't, are we riding on Pooh, or is he just kind of sliding in something? We are riding on Pooh, who is riding on a honeypot. And you're just kind of doing, like, we're kind of doing a half-pipe slide. Yeah, we're just, like, surfing across the book, and it, like, literally jumps out of the book, and we fly over pages of Pooh, Winnie the Pooh stories. It is amazing. I That's, love this like, bit. You, you see, like, the text surrounds you. You see, yeah. the, see the papery texture, and it just you jump between zones. It's it's pretty it's pretty quite fun. For it is sort great. Of, I guess, for what I would definitely call a snowboarding level in design. It is. It's great. It's the best snowboarding game in Kingdom Hearts. And it accomplished <laughs> nothing because Pooh's still hungry. That's his permanent state. Pooch does uh, arrogant assholes himself over to Rabbit's window and gets yep. stuck. Gets stuck. We have to yank him out. And he remembers Rabbit and Yeor. He still doesn't remember Sora. <laughs> Sora just, he, he seems pretty dejected. He kind of does the, like, the uh, slump down, uh, uh, disappointed reaction. Yep. So our next pages are Tigger is terrible, I believe. By the way, we that's what we decided to call Eeyore's it. house, did we? I don't know if we did. I don't know if we did. Poor I don't Eeyore. think we did. Yeah. So anyways, we're I think we're back outside Rabbit's house and Kangaroo show up. Kanga's brought the good stuff. What, OK, what exactly did Kanga bring? Because we wrote this down as good liquor. Maybe I wrote this down as good liquor. <laughs> I don't remember. But what is this that Kanga actually brought that who that Tigger comes up and swipes? Let's see. I, I need to double check. I'll be, I'll be quick. Honey aid. Is that what it said? <laughs> No, I'm I'm speculating, speculating, shitposting IRL. No, that's a great thing. It doesn't say she says, I got this bottle. I thought this would be what he needed. It is alcohol. It could literally be anything. It is alcohol. That's why I had cannon. <laughs> and then the worst again, I apologize to anyone whose childhood I'm mocking here. The worst possible character shows up. Oh, yeah. Tigger shows up to swipe the hooch. He does the evil. He just, he just jumps up, sees a bottle in someone's hands, like, oh, thanks, and just grabs it, chugs it. Yep. Isn't that for me, he says. <laughs> yep. And then he just goes bouncing away, and we got to bounce to get it back on some balloons. And I said, I feel like I'm really like going higher and higher trying to reach him for this one. I think the worst thing about this whole thing with Tigger is that Rue just idolizes Tigger, and that is a recipe for disaster right there. Oh, yeah. What would you call Tigger at this point? God, Tigger is the really shitty friend who, like, you can't really do away with, but he, like, always comes in, wrecks your shit, and leaves a mess. He's a one-upsman bullshit artist, the one who claims yep. he knows everything. He yep. He's the guy whose uncle works in Nintendo. Yes. 
Okay, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Taker's, de- Taker's uncle definitely works at Nintendo. Because <laughs> Takers are wonderful things and they probably are just really great at, at you know, team bleeding. Yep. We got yep. the balloon bounce minigame now. Yep. Just bouncing on balloons. Bounce of balloons. You can see if Pooh remembers Tigger. And it actually it actually crushes Tigger when Pooh fails to remember him. Yep. Which apparently makes Pooh instantly remember him. Yeah. It's it's like on a fucking dime. Pooh just just like, oh, why would I forget you, Tigger? And it's just like this, this is kind of why I meant things aren't really you don't see why they're fixing them. I feel like we could at least get a slightly better explanation. Yeah. Sora doesn't even ask this time if if Pooh remembers him. Like you can only break his heart so many times before it turns into more characters. So now I have in my new notes and then Pooh goes on a fucking vision quest. Pooh just, he lies down and the astral projects himself into his own memories. Yeah, he sees a high angle drone view of himself and the others from the last game when Sora is saying goodbye. Yeah, that night shot where he like leaves him on the hill. And, and so, to be honest, him floating away is a reference. Yeah, it's technically a reference to the Heffalumps and Woozles song sequence. Like, I've seen so many people be, like seeing this scene and be like, oh, Kingdom Hearts is so random, lol. And then other people are like, actually, that's just from Winnie the Pooh in general. That's yeah. Heffalumps and Woozles. At least he doesn't get sinister honeypots yelling warnings at him in the next yeah. five seconds like, in a movie. The Heffalumps and Woozles song sequence is a nightmare that is forced on Pooh by the yeah. shit that Tigger said. Tigger, who is, again, being his smug, I know everything. It's like, ooh, I bet I love this. I always love this. No, I don't. This is only for that he makes up animal names. Yes. Now, as opposed to this bit, which is Pooh yeeting his own soul into his mind palace to still not remember Sora. <laughs> because he sees him as a silhouette, as I recall. He's like, who's that? Yep. Just, just randomly, I always connected the heffalumps and woozles sequence to uh you know the the pink elephant which makes sense (laughs) yeah the pink elephant which is explicitly an alcohol hallucination yes so that kind of justifies the idea that it's that's hooch but Pooh didn't get to drink it yeah Pooh didn't get to drink it yeah i mean this is an anxiety dream and i can tell you i have weird anxiety dreams so i kind of sympathize with that a bit yeah, anxiety <laughs> dreams are a real trip. They tend to literally like make this own narrative of me back in school and screw up on my classes. So because apparently because I'm a walking cliche, I guess. Oof. <laughs> so now we're going to go to the minigame I hated the most of these. Yep. The next pages get unlocks what we're calling the escort mission, which gives us a spooky cave to explore. Who has gotten high and wandered into a cave and we have to lead the rest of these idiots on an exp- expedition into the cave to find him. Oh, God, this pronunciation sucks. deliberate. I yeah. assume that Pooh has been looking for Mesquite to help with his vision quest. <laughs> that <laughs> might be true. That might be true. And the so, caves is where the good mushrooms are. Yeah, probably. So, yeah, you have five minutes to lead a bunch of terrified dipshits through this cave. Like there's <laughs> there's puddles that like freeze, cause everyone to slip. There's rocks that go mad. You can also find some treasure chests in here and you have to to get completion. During the minigame. And everyone just starts running and panicking it randomly. You have to get back to them to do a reaction command or something. Yep, you have to get Basically. them to form up around you. Like, yeah. I do not know why there's this. This minigame is not really a minigame. It is literally just walking through a cave with with extra steps. Yeah, walking through a cave with a bunch of idiots. <laughs> and at the end of the cave, we find Pooh, who has been meditating and is now hungry. Meditating. See, yeah. I, I'm right, I think. Yeah, yeah, you think you're definitely right. He's That's one drugged out bear. Yeah, that is totally one drug out there. He told he remembers that he made a promise with Sora. He does not remember Sora. But then he remembers Sora. 
But he forgets Forget. they forgot Sora. God, I'm so confused. That <laughs> the dark helmet. Then we got that. <laughs> well, anyways, let's just get Pooh high in some pot. Yep. The final location is Starry Hill with the most basic mini game of the bunch. Pooh's guys head stuck in the jar of honey. And so we got to hammer throw him because that's just a great way to work off some stress with this bear. Throw him as hard as you can. Yeet him against the wall. Spin around and yeet him or get the pot flying away. Like <laughs> getting good distance on this is actually a bit challenging, but you all you really need to do is just like eat Pooh a do tiny distance to complete the mission. So then Pooh's like, thanks. Stay forever. Yeah, I have in my notes. Sora promises to come back and visit, but Pooh is a yandere. That's terrible. And I hate you right now, John. <laughs> He's going to start ripping stitches out of the others. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> He's mine. <laughs> That's what you get. He's going to he's got he's going to unstuff them and sew them together in some sort of horrible multi-creation. If anyone is <laughs> listening to this podcast, please send me fan art of that. Oh, God. <laughs> of, of, the, of the great Hundred Acre Woods Chimera. <laughs> now, now I'm just imagining Pooh becoming uh, becoming a Yandere villain and destroying the other world. So Sora has to come spend time with him. I need that fan fiction. So what, the book is flying around, blowing things up? <laughs> Healing hearts and bring him into the book so everyone's there? He's not who, he's Hawksop. <laughs> You're terrible. And it's Hawks all Poe. Merlin's, it's, and it's Merlin's fault. It's all Merlin's fault. We will talk about Merlin next Later. <laughs> so anyways, let's get Kiraga. Yeah, Kira becomes Kiraga when we complete this. And hey. lock that book just to be sure. Yeah, lock that book. We are done. All the worlds <laughs> are done. Now it's time. Uh, mini games. Mini games. Olympus Coliseum. It's Olympus Coliseum in general. Olympus Coliseum is the one thing that's kind of substantial uh, of all the mini games. It's yeah. tournaments like in the first game, but there are added requirements like, oh, you can only use summons for this part or no drive gauge. You can you can only use a. Uh, Orbs in this part or something. Um, uh, to get so many, you have time. I think at least one yeah. time. Yeah. And you are scored not on like just completing it, but you also have to collect a bunch of these weird little orbs. Because everyone loves struggle fights. And so I'm going to, I want to say like, we're not going to go over all the stuff that's in here. There's, there's not really all that many interesting fights. Though there is one really cool fight that is uh, against all four of the Final Fantasy people. That one's kind of cool. Sora just has to punk them all now. Yeah, Sora has to punk all four Final Fantasy people at once. That's Leon, uh, Leon, Cloud, Leon, Cloud, Tifa, and Yuffie. Oran? Oh. No, not Oran. Yeah, like Oran and Aerith are off playing cards, so they know better. Well, Oran is a party member in this world. True. Yeah, you can't switch over. Talking before about how Stitch is the most broken thing in this game. Stitch is also the best way to do journal completion in this uh, section. Because, because his ukulele pops out usually health and like drive orbs, but now he'll drop he'll pop out the point orbs. So here's how here's how Stitch's AI works. If your health is low, he will strum on the ukulele to create health orbs. In the Olympus Coliseum, health orbs are re replaced by point orbs. And so you can basically get Stitch into a state where he is doing nothing but jamming on his ukulele singing. Uh, and like all the enemies on the screen are stunned, dropping health orbs, and you run around collecting them. And he's desperately trying to save your life, and you're just exploiting him. Yep. And, I, and I'm all and I am just going to say, oh, God, am I ever tired of the mixture of the sounds that is stitched strumming on his ukulele and the low health sound effect? 
<laughs> that, getting enough points to do journal completion in the Olympus Coliseum sucks. I do not like it. But, but then you get the but you get a great keyblade. Yep, it's a surprise tool that'll help us later. It's the Fatal Crest Keyblade that gives you Berserk Charge as its special uh, ability. Which does what? Berserk Charge takes away your finishers when you are recharging MP. This is important. Okay, so time. Let's go into the mini mini games. Yep, like there's not mini games by mini, but small mini games. Yeah, we've talked about a lot of the mini games that's all over the place. Minis mini games are next game. <laughs> I think the one I hated most in Twilight Town, because there's a bunch of them in Twilight Town, was the one where you push the cart up the hill. Oh, yeah, that thing sucks. Combo smack it up. And so Why do you like, need to whack garbage up a hill anyway. So the thing about that one is like you need to turn off a lot of your abilities to do that one well, because like any of your big finishers like explosion or something like that will leave you stunned in such a state and will not knock it far enough away that it'll just like come rolling back down and beat you and you won't be get, able to get there in enough time. You know, Sisyphus and Boldy could have warned you about that. Yes. Yep. Yep. You also need to take off all the combo pluses you have. Yeah. Finishers are the only thing that can move it really far. But you, like, I think uh, if you have the Fenrir Keyblade, which we'll talk about a bit later and negative combo on, you can just do finishers and that might be good enough. I forget exactly. All I know yeah. is I feel like it's lucky whenever I actually complete this mission. You you can fly around the delivery mail. You could you could try to destroy garbage. So a few hits. These are just things we did for that Roxas did for money. Yep. All the things that Roxas did for money, we do as mini games, and then we have little bullshit uh, requirements to reach to finish them off. That like, and basically every single mini game in this game has an arbitrary. Uh, a time limit well. or has an arbitrary mini game. And there's also like so in a lot of worlds, there are little skateboards that you can ride around and there's skateboard mini games. And each skateboard mini game has a different requirement for the kind of things to get points. And they don't really tell you any of it. So. Yeah. So much of the stuff is just tucked away. Just sort of I, there. You want to play it? You want to get completion? What? Find it all. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 3 is a little bit better about explicating what you need to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The next, the next set of Psycons is the Absent Silhouettes, but we kind of covered those as we went. Yeah, through. we don't need to talk about them. Yeah, the Absent that, Silhouettes, if you haven't done them yet, do them. You're probably overleveled for some of them now. I was. <laughs> I kind of like the next part that we're going to do, which is the Mushroom 13 stuff. Yeah, they're fun. Let's talk about them in order. There's one that I hate, though. There's these heartless that are just mushrooms, like the old bonus mushrooms of the first one. And there's 13 of them, each representing a member. And they all appear at the locations where you fought them or were related to them. And they all have their own little mini game. And they're also wearing poo gas cloaks. Yep. They're all they're weird little mushrooms that are related to the, the organization 13. Nobody's somehow. Let's stock him down nice and quick. Yep. Mushroom number one is that memory skyscraper in the world that never was. He shows up after you've completed the game. Zemnis. The Dusks have a reaction command that you can do an anime dash behind them. Reversal. Reversal. This guy has a special reversal that you have to wait for a particular very short time frame command to actually do the correct reversal to hit them. And you need to hit it 70 times to complete this mission. Before time runs out, I think. Yeah, I think it's before time runs out. Like he disappears after a certain amount of time. Mushroom 2 is in Christmas Tree Plaza, Halloween Town. Yep, that's the one that maps to Zigbar. You need to reflect shots back at him, and you need 80 for this mission. Uh, I cheese the fuck out of this with Stitch and Reflect Spam. It is so easy if you do that. Moving on. Number 3 is at the Bridge in the Beast Castle. It maps to Zaldin, has more personality than him. Yep. <laughs> uh, so this guy will fly around, dropping a bunch of orbs. He's flying faster than you, as I recall. 
Uh, you can actually keep up with him if you have the right uh, moves equipped. You need to get 450 of his orbs. Basically, this is just a test of your mobility moves and how many draw you have on. Like, you want to have the Wishing Link Keyblade that has extra draw. You want to have all your draw equipped. Just you want crush it. Glide from Final Form? Uh, not. I don't know if Glide is as good as actually the Fast Dash from okay. uh, Wisdom Form. Number four is at the Palace Gate of Land of the Dragons. This one's Vexen, of course. Yep. You need to fight off 85 replicas before one touches you. The easiest way to do this? Skate around on Wisdom Form. And shoot the fuck out of them. Shoot the fuck out of them while you're moving away. Circle strafe around them and just shoot them. It's cool. I like it. They all go down really fast. If I oh, yeah, they have one hit point. They have one hit yeah. point, so Wisdom Form is perfect. It's a swarm tactic. Yep. yep. Number five is at the Cave of Wonders Treasure Room in Agrabah. This is Lexus. So he has a massive regen and a lot of hit points. So you have to kill him in 10 seconds. I used an online suggestion. I threw on every firepower I could, including Bond of Flame, and blasted him with Viraga at point blank. What I did, the funniest way to do this. So final form, if you use an item, actually causes your keyblades to rotate around you and do a shit ton of damage. So hmm. I put on a few elixirs because it does more damage if it's the better the item. I put on a bunch of elixirs, walked right up next to this, put on final form, ate an elixir, ate an elixir, it's dead in five seconds. Huh. Number six is at the atrium in the Underworld Caverns, Olympus Coliseum. This is Zexion's. Yep. This one is fun, but also difficult. He, he, so he's got a bunch of dancing clones that summons, and you need to beat them all in 45 seconds. Why are they dancing? Yeah, because the music in the Underworld is pretty damn good to dance to. That's why. All right. So anyways, th this one, it's just easiest to blast the shit out of the entire field. Yep. Yeah. Like, nuke them with magic is the only way to be sure. Mm -hmm. Number seven is at the Tunnelway in Twilight Town. This is Syx. Yep, it is a very relentless little berserker that you need to drain its HP in 10 seconds, and if it hits you, it'll knock you down. So what you basically need to do, switch to final form, spam reflect. Goes down in a second. Yes. Next one's not so convenient. Number yeah, this is my least favorite one. Mysterious Tower in the, twilight, yep. in the Twilight Town Zone. Remember the Fatal Crest Keyblade? That's what this is for. Because <laughs> Axel had to be a complete dick about his mushroom. Yep, you got to juggle this asshole 85 times. Which is actually so like uh, in Kingdom Hearts one, uh, I think it was the rare truffle that you have to juggle to get items. That's the way you farmed elixirs in the original Kingdom Hearts one. This one just sucks because like even if you do everything right, sometimes it just kind of slips through your reach and goes down to the ground. I, I remember getting above 70 like uh, 20 times. It was terrible. So the way you do this is Master Form, not Final Form, Master Form, with the Fatal Crest Keyblade equipped, use a Thunder to knock it up into the air, burn down all your magic, then jump up and just smack him over and over again. Uh, the specific attack combo of Master Form without finishers that you get from the Fatal Crest Keyblade is the exact right kind of combo necessary to do 85 hits. It is weird how it's just like so perfectly designed for this one mushroom. <laughs> Number nine is at the Cascade Radio Garden. This is Demix. So you got to spin yep. him. You got to spin him round. You got to spin him right round. Like, like a, a record, record baby right round. Yep. He he's basically right where you fought Demix. Uh, and you have he spins while you hit him. You have to hit him 75 times while he's spinning. Wisdom form is your friend again because wisdom form shoots fast. Mm. Well, let's go to the land of nightmares for Mushroom Tem at the Isla de Muerte in Moonlight Nook. This yep. is Luxord. Yep. Uh, and the shell game is back. Yay! I mean, this one, he splits like into multiple forms or does he use cards? 
uh, five. He splits into five forms and you have to find the correct one and follow it. Like I got screwed over by the camera looking at the wrong one. Do you know how to actually do this well? Pause. If you pause and follow it, you can easily get it every time. Hmm. <laughs> it's weird how that works. Just spam pause. As long as the camera's not messing me, I'd probably be better this one. The camera sucks, so you, it's good to pause. <laughs> yes. Next one's a little uncreative. The waterway in Timeless River, we're facing number 11, which is Marluxia. Yep. You need to hit him 100 times and at most 19 seconds, which is a lot. And once again... How many times has Wisdom Form been the answer here? Wisdom Form seems to be the most common answer for the mushrooms, probably because the mushrooms are so weird to deal with. And to be honest, because I'm a bit of a brawler, it's the one, it's the form I use the least. Yeah, like, and we're not done using Wisdom Form because it's also the right answer for the next one. Mushroom 12, which is an old mansion in Twilight Town. It's Lark scene. We should be more happy with this. Yay. Except for the fact that this one's just like another, oh, there's a bunch of shrooms that you need to uh, shoot in the time limit. The description that this one describes kind of puts them in whack-a-mole, like they're popping up and you're knocking them down, but they're hard to reach. Yeah, that's about right. Wisdom form is the easiest way to do that just because you can just skate away, find the ones that are far away and shoot them and it'll home in. Yeah, we finally get rid of that one. And now, as we've been clearing each one up to its arbitrary uh, required level, they've been gathering in the Great Mall, like the Chasm and Radiant Garden. Which is where we did the battle with the Thousand Heartless before. So once they're done hanging out, it's kind of fun seeing they're all like different sizes. Like, I think yeah. I mean, this is the biggest. I think so. Well, no, the, the biggest one is 13. Because Roxas. So when all 12 are there, Mushroom 13 descends from the heavens with a heavenly chorus. It's hilarious. And he gives us a key blade and we're done. Winner's proof. And also, uh, it is one of three activities that gives us a crown. If it's the first crown you get, it's bronze. With each activity, the crowns get better. Next, let's talk about the hardest side bosses. What's the easy one first? Easy one first. Sora, it's Sephiroth in Donald voice. I was like, in Donald voice, just easier. <laughs> but, you know, you call it easy. I, I, I lost here. It, it is easier than Cavern of Remembrance. Most of the data battles and lingering will. So it's the easiest. Yep. So you fight Sephiroth at the same cliff overlooking the field of Heartless that is at the base of where Maleficent's base is, I think it is. Basically over the Raided Garden of the Great Castle, you kind of overlook it from a cliffside. Yep. And I have in my notes, Sephiroth didn't get the memo that we're supposed to remember Sora because he does not remember fighting Sora in the last game. Well, he had a different voice then. Yep. Now he's Superman. Yep. Our guy is just here waiting for Cloud. He decides he might be a fun diversion right now since you're the hero of the Keyblade. So he has more story now than he did in Kingdom Hearts 1. He wonders if he beats you up, if he'll get to have that neat looking sword. Yep. So here's a few of my notes from the fight. Sephiroth has a lot of HP and some really fast attacks. But overall, I think he's overall easier here than his Kingdom Hearts 1 incarnation for two reasons. Sora has improved maneuverability and there's the form change system, which is very important. However, you, you don't get any help in this fight. This is one on one. Yeah, this has, has to be one on one. I don't know why Donald and Goofy don't decide not to help, but. It's your fight, Sora. Yep. Thanks so much, guys. I mean, he's literally attacking me for our sword. We have no control okay. to him. And he has I, I mean, shield. here's the thing. Goofy is Goofy is smarter than this. And Donald's a fucking prat. <laughs> Basically, the best way to fight this guy is to play keep away, except when Sephiroth lowers his guard after attacks. And even when he teleports away, it's pretty easy to find him and either press the attack or break away. And he does teleport spam on your face. Basically, he'll just pop behind you to hit you. Mm hmm. He still has the Heartless Angel attack from the last game, and it still knocks your HP to 1 and MP to 0, but it's pretty easy to get in to stop it, I'd, at least for me. 
I don't know. I, I just couldn't do this. I, I could not beat this fight. This is where I stop. I also think his final phase feels uh, less chaotic with the ability to glide. Um, is he dropping meteors? He is definitely dropping meteors on you. When you have access to limit form, it effectively acts as a free elixir to you. So as long as you can do enough offense or be in magic charge while taking damage to, to get your drive gauge to four, and you're using your uh, skills that prevent you from dying, like second chance once more, you can usually get enough drive gauge to get a full HP and MP recover. So yeah, I think it's a pretty fun fight. Still takes a bit for me to solve it every now and then, but I think this was my fastest starting to fight him to finishing to fight him of any of the times I've played this game, just because... I'm getting better at it every time I play it. For the most part, I think Sephiroth, his fight here is mostly fair. You can you you need to learn what he's doing and you need to learn the cues. But once you do, you should be able to get through without taking too many hits. Like he he has a reaction command that he opens up with where he dashes through you. And if you do the reaction command properly, you block every single hit. It looks really cool. If you don't do that, it might kill you. So, so at the end, he's wholly unimpressed. He's just bored and says, get cloud. Yep. Only he could do this. He sends you off to go get him. So you got to go to the Radiant Garden Marketplace. We find Cloud. Goes off. Cloud goes off to settle things with Sephiroth in the only way they know how. An anime fight. It just isn't really good. I argue that we're not doing the right thing for Cloud's mental health here. I mean, we're, we're causing him to beat himself up some more. Yep. Tifa even shows up to join the anime fight. Then Cloud and Sephiroth just go in a portal and vanish to, yeah. to yeah. Smash Brothers. And then Sora follows later. <laughs> you're dating. You're dating the recording of this within a few. Hey. Okay, no, you know what's dating the recordings? The end of season one, I made a comment about how Sora should be in Smash. Now Sora is in Smash. So we're going to be releasing this well after he's in Smash. The, yes. The perils of recording lots. Yes, this episode was recorded on Halloween 2021. Yeah. Spooky. Spooky. We weren't in Halloween Town, unfortunately, but you yeah. know. Yep. Well, we're never going to be there again, is my understanding. So, yeah, Tifa's just like, well... That happened. Here, take this Keyblade. Yep. Tifa gives us the Fenrir Keyblade, which gives us negative combo, which reduces our normal combo length and gets us one step closer to finisher that much quacker. Mm. That much quacker? Well, no, is, 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 Donald, is Donald involved? Yeah. Now, the, the, the next swing is the Data Bales, which I only unlocked, and I curse every moment of working the lockets. So, in order to get to the Data Battles, we have a whole optional dungeon to go through. The Cavern of Remembrance. Remember back when we were talking about the uh, oh. fairies coming out of a cave in Radiant Garden? And we we're like, we're not going there yet. Now we're going there. Oh. I have in my notes. Oh, boy, here we go. Time for some simple, fun platforming, smiley face. You're really going. You're really invoking that, huh? Yeah, it is a getting over it level. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll take this path. Let's get the good out of the way. This optional dungeon has some amazing music. The regular theme is called Cavern of Remembrance. The battle theme is Deep Anxiety. And the rest of it is just some utter bullshit enemies. Yeah, there's some nasty, like, powered up versions of other enemies here. Yep. Um, like, so there's Magic Phantoms, Iron Hammers, Mad Rides, Camo Cannons, Befuddles, Necromancers, Spring Metals, Aerial Vikings, Rune Masters, Lance Warriors, Aerial Champs, and Reckless. And they are all bullshit. And they are all recolors. <laughs> They're all recolors, except I think Reckless might not be. But yeah, they are annoying to fight. Yeah. They do a lot of damage. They, they appear and they appear in large swarms, like occasionally in front of like these checkpoint doors. You have to fight like a, a large group of them. The combat here is tough. It's just nasty. 
And you need to farm them if you're doing a full crafting log. I'm not going to talk much more about crafting, but you need to farm these for for remembrance crystals. There wasn't any really exciting crafting enemies like in one. I say exciting with a certain tone, but yes. The other thing about this is that at multiple points in this dungeon, there are ability checks that require you to have level your forms to a certain level to even progress. You have to double jump by by sliding under a uh, a obstacle in the air and then popping up under after it. Or yeah, you need to glide perfectly through a very narrow. So even if you are leveled up, these are surprisingly difficult. Yep. In a way, I don't hate them. They're kind of clever, but... <laughs> yep. I actually kind of like the platforming here. It, the platforming is fine. It's a, the, it is... Okay, it is way more complex level design than the rest of Kingdom Hearts 2. And I would argue it knocks you back way too far. It takes you back screens if you screw up. That's too much. Mm-hmm. That is true. Like, that's why I call it a getting over it level. Yeah, if I had to jump back to the start of the new screen with that, fair enough, airplay. But I'm having to go back like three screens back to where there's enemies and possibly doing some of the other obstacles over. Yep. There's a big glide move requires a max off final form to get pull off. You arrive at one of the hardest things in the game that's even harder than some of the data battles. Welcome to transport to remembrance. It is a long hallway that is three sets of trash poles. That's it. Sounds easy, right? It's not. It is the worst trash pulls in existence. I hate this I remember area. this level. It's terrible. I swear I'll find the person who talked me into fighting this in the hardest difficulty and make them pay. Oh, wait. Good thing is you're on the other side of the country from me, Jared. For the moment. For the moment. John's kneecaps are currently safe. Yep. We'll see. So we'll see. the first set of trash is Dusk's Samurai and Assassins. Everything it's, is more powerful, higher HP, higher defense, higher attack than anywhere else in the game. Basically, this is a test of how well you understand the reaction commands of all these nobodies. Like Samurai's Duel. Yep, Samurai Duel, uh, Assassin, you got to rip them out of the ground and toss them down. Some Dusk, dusk reversals to keep, the, keep yourself mobile. This first pack is not that bad. No, this one only took me a few tries to get through. The second set is worse. It's Gamblers, Snipers, and Berserkers. The Berserkers are the rough part. Gamblers and Snipers aren't that bad. Yeah, snipers, you just have to press the attack on and then close in on them so they can't like, set up lots of extra attacks. God help you if you get turned into a die while the Berserker's going. Oh, that, you know? that's the worst part of it, yeah. Well, yeah. It's called a die this time around. I yep. can't back that up. Honestly, ripping through them in final form is probably the best way to deal with it. Ugh. So this one definitely took me more tries. Berserkers in particular, like I said, they have so much HP and so high attack at this point. And I'm pretty sure only now am I finally understanding my life-saving skills. So I'm still getting swatted around more. Actually, no. What I think it was the next section that I had to... I watched you play, and I was just like, show me your skills. And I was like... Why do you not have on second yeah. chance and once more? I was I was doing so badly. I actually streamed to him over Discord and check it. And, and I was losing my mind. <laughs> and, the, and I'm like, how did you get this far without those skills equipped? That's impressive. Incredible bloody minded this. And, <laughs> dec- and, and decent Twitch reflexes. Yep. So, of course, the third the set, zone. the worst set, the I would say the second hardest thing in this entire game, to be honest. Yeah, I would say this is harder than most of the data battles, if not all the data battles. First, this is multiple waves. I think there's like probably there's, eight to ten groups. Yeah, there, so, there was a shit ton of waves for this next section. 
The funniest thing about this last section is that I got down to only sorcerers like five times and died just for sorcerers. Yeah, everything we hated about sorcerers, their general invulnerability, their lack of special reaction commands, the fact that they'll swarm into other fights and just smack you around. It's worse here. They appear on top of dancers who you have to get rid of right away before they use their slam dances. Uh, Dragoons who can become huge. And jump on Uh, you. Yeah. And creepers who... uh, Creepers just sort of crowd up the ground. That's what they do. Yeah. They're small enough and they're swarmy enough that they can be a problem that way. But then the sorcerers pop in one to two at a time, usually in the middle of the other. Like They're timed to appear yeah. off. They appear off the other wave. So like you're in the middle of a combo. It's only a sorcerer's behind you. He's cube stomping you. So as it turns out, one of the best ways to deal with this. Stitch. Stitch. <laughs> yeah. I actually learned the Magnega Thundaga combo here. I hadn't been using it up to now. And then it still didn't work on the goddamn sorcerers. Yep. Stitch is the best way to deal with this. It's it's just, just like Stitch plus Magnega, Magnega Thundaga to deal with all the trash. And then you go in and smack the sorcerers. Yeah. Stitch for health. And occasionally, if you're lucky, he'll do a stun lock on them. And that's chance there. And occasionally, even sorcerers projectiles can be stopped by Stitch at times. So. Yep. Stitch is the best way to survive this. And it still yeah. could be over a dozen tries. After each set of this, you get a checkpoint. So thank goodness. You don't have to go back and do the Dusk Samurai and Assassins when you die to the yeah. third set. From this point on, they just turn to proximity attacks, like where the where the like a group will spawn, but you can still run past them like most places in the game. Once you clear the transport to remembrance, that will give us access to the Garden of Assemblage, which is where the data battle reside. It's like this big computer with doors in a circle set for 13. Yep. So I believe I'm the only one who did this. Matt, correct me if you that's untrue. I actually went back and got to level 99 in Kingdom Hearts 2 and did these. So OK, cool. I didn't even try. Yeah, um, I got there, but I got there. And then I went and fought Sephiroth. And after about 30 losses to him, I just was demoralized. And Johnson just finished the game. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. You don't need to do this shit. Do not subject yourself to this unless you really want to. Yeah, basically, you really have to be at level 99 for these. And even if you can do it not for these, you really got to be for Lingering Will, which is the next thing we will talk about. Well, so let's go over the data battles first. Uh, So the first one I chose to fight was Larxene because she is the one that I had the easiest setup for because shock charms. They're pretty easy to make. Basically, you yep. want to be able to lower her electric damage. So you, you, you bulk up on some defensive items. You put yep. three of them on, if I remember correctly, and she does 10 percent damage for most things. Yep. Uh, and then you just uh, outlast her. You use reflect to knock her back and I, beat her up. I can't I cannot. When you watch expert level fighting day battles, I cannot fathom how quick and how fast their, mag, their like reflex are. Yeah. The next one I tried was Axel. And I loaded up on fire resistance, but that is not actually the best way to beat him. Well, the room's on fire. The room's on fire. It's not my fault. The room cannot be on fire in order for you to beat Axel. So in order to win. But the room's on fire. It's like a conundrum. In order to turn the fire off, you have to do his reaction command properly. That is the only way. And that's how you can beat him. I actually found several times where I would get him down to a pixel of health and then he wasn't fucking dying. And then I'd die. And I'd be like, what the fuck? (laughs) <laughs> did you have to research it or did I figured it out eventually he the from the flame he springs eternal he is a phoenix so anyways yep the next one I did was Vexen I loaded up on ice resistance which makes sense 
it, this one in particular is just kind of like a tougher version of his uh, Oblivion, right? Uh, uh, Absence of Light, yes. That's it. Oh, brain not working. So yep. basically, he's sending the anti-stores at you to touch you, and you just got you just got fire him up. <laughs> yep. Spamming Faraga in final form just rips through his defenses. It's surprisingly easy. Yeah, I think he's the easiest of the data battles. I think uh, there's a few Vexen, that are easier, Vexen, but Vexen. but fortunately, that stupid shithead is pretty easy to take down. The next one that I did was Lexius. He is inconsequential, so that's why I was is like, it, he's is it the same weird power level thing that doesn't really do anything. Yes. I tore through him in, in one shot with Final Form. It was fucking easy. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, I guess Lexius might be the other one another candidate for one of the easier ones. Mm. Yep. So next, so according to what you listed, it says you did Demix next. I have a feeling that was annoying. Yes. So, okay, his water clones are way more annoying this time around. They need to be hit by finishers or Wisdom Form with fire. The reaction command does not exist anymore. So no more swinging around the notes. Yep, no more swinging around notes. So you throw on the Fenrir mm-hmm. and uh, and you take care of the water clones. Yep. Uh, Wisdom Form with Fire is also a good way to break through them uh, and also deal a lot of damage to Demix. Mm. So, yeah. Are his, like, does he have more instances of using the ability, too? Oh, yeah. Um, and if you do not do them in enough time, he will kill you. You just fucking die. Just, just like always. Yep. I shit on Zaldan all the time because he is the least interesting or important of all the organization members. By putting birth by sleep, that seems to be holding. Yes, but Zaldan is my favorite of the data battle fights. Like, he is significantly tougher than he was in the story, and you really have to learn his mechanics in order to win. And I honestly thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, he's a lot of fun because you really got to learn him. There's no way around it. And so you so you can't really cheese him. You just got to do it. Uh, like even Stitch doesn't help all that much aside from he- uh, providing some healing. Well, he doesn't really use projectiles. He uses the spears that I drop it yeah. around. I imagine those those aren't used the same. Using Stitch to keep my MP up is how I won. Mm. Um, because I needed cure. Mm-hmm. The other thing is like you have to do his reaction commands correctly. So you he will send a bunch of spears around you. And you have to use learn to pick up a bunch of spears and then you do a bunch of jumps, and that knocks him out of his offensive stance. Yeah, if you if you don't do that, you simply cannot do significant damage to him. I did Luxord next, and he pulls a lot of bullshit. Oh, yeah. Like, his minigames are more. You have to do his minigames correctly now. His final minigame where he creates a big pillar of cards and you have to pick the right cards to get out of it. You have to do it this time. You can't just cheese past it. Like You still use the camera to look behind yourself? You can use the camera to look behind the other cards, but you still have to, like, for the final one, I think you have to, like, gamble on a roulette is how it works. Ugh. There's got to be yeah, some it, sort of. Uh... You got, it's, you got to pay attention properly. All right. Yeah, it used to be that you could just, like, fail this and you'd be OK. And now I believe it's just an instant. Uh, death. Yeah, it fucking it, it, it. it just fucking kills you if you don't if you fail it and, you, and he will use it before you like. You cannot get rid of his last pixel of health before you clear this minigame. It, ha- it has it has a mechanic wall in its health then. Yes. As I, 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 bo- I the, the one I noticed that the most during was the uh, the Reaper fight in um, in Port Royal. But I know what you're referring to. Basically, once yeah. it's a hit point, the, the HP freezes till he hits his face. Yep. So the easiest of the data battles or one of the easiest is uh, the last of the trash Zexion. Zexion's fight in the absence of what was just sort of that puzzle through his weird little uh, landscapes. Yep, and he just has more HP. That's it. He's right. pretty easy. He doesn't even do that much more damage. Mm. So, yeah. 
Oh, well, poor Zexion. Yep, Zigbar is also not that much harder this time either. I, I agree with you there. So what Zigbar does slightly differently is you have different mazes that you have to go through that are a bit more complicated. But other than that, it's the same Zigbar. Mm. So pretty easy. All right. The teleportation puzzles actually make me think of the last Ankthon battle in uh, Final Fantasy XIV uh, in in uh, in uh, Don Meg, where you know he teleports yes. to the other side. And then yeah, yeah, I know what you're that. talking about. I'm, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, the, you have to you have to go down the right path in order to get to him. Yeah, and Ankthon, it's a balance beam, but same, same principle. Oh, the fucking frog. Yep. Yes. If you work with the NPCs, one who just uses they use cheat skills to jump across, and they feel mm, like yes. different. The the dapperest frog in all of the first. Then he turns to a big blob monster. Next up was Marluxia that I did. Phew. He is unchanged from his absent silhouette, aside from having a lot more HP. Like his instant kill zones, his doom, his doom counter. He has no new mechanics. He has no barriers. He is literally just more HP. But since his mechanics are all like, I'm going to kill you if enough time, eventually you're going to slip up. That is probably tough enough on its own. He was already the hardest absent silhouette anyway, so. So, but at the same time, it's kind of like, well, I already learned how to fight you. So I'm just going to do it again. Going to fucking do <laughs> it again. Is that, that weird, goofy meme? <laughs> Next one I did was Syx. So Syx does have a new mechanic this time around. His the. You have to break him out of his uh, berserk stance with berserk blades again, but the blades disappear much faster. Oh, so you have less window to get him. You have less window of opportunity to get him, but he's not that much faster. So I ended up one shutting this guy, too. I guess I was just on the groove. I died a few times, but he wasn't that bad. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to save Roxas for last because got it fun. Got to wreck my boy. I all, I'm the same, so I also saved Roxas for last. So then I did Zemnis as my next bit. Zemnis is probably the second hardest data battle. Um, and it felt harder, actually, than uh, Zaldan because it's technically two fights. You have the Skyscraper duel and the final fight with Riku as the two parts. Is that data Riku then? No, there's no data. The, uh, I'm not even going to. I'm not going to. on that. No, it's just Riku. It's just the data battle replicating Riku. It's fine. There's no data Riku going on there. None at all. No. Uh, <laughs> fuck you, Jared. I only vaguely know why this is setting you off. I still chose to do it. Da- you, data Riku is important. I guarantee you. Damn it. Oh, I, I kind of know that. Damn it, but stop. I don't, I don't know anything about it. I just know it's causing this. Stop you. Stop. <laughs> stop, please. No. So anyway, so basically, he just ha- I believe you said he just has lots more health. Yeah. Uh, the Skyscaper duel is largely unchanged. Um, it, it's way better to do the special clash at the end as well. I think you almost have to do it. Yeah, like if you do that, you will pretty much basically just jump right away to the uh, second phase. Yeah, mm-hmm. you almost have to do it. It, it, I, it is possible to do it without it, but it's very hard. And wouldn't you just rather take the easy route of doing it right? So that's just nope. the cool looking route. Yeah. And then you be- easy and cool. So, yeah. <laughs> and then I beat his second form by spamming Riku's Limit Break session. Proving the power of friendship. I did the same thing because why would you not use Riku's cool power if you have it there? I think I was actually really frustrated trying to do it right. So I just did that. <laughs> Using Riku's <laughs> cool, cool power of darkness. Yep. And so I saved Roxas for last and I kind of wish I didn't because he's easier in data battle as it turns out. 
Like, his attack patterns are unchanged. He has more HP, as always. But you have Glide now. And Glide makes his fight so much easier to dodge all the bullshit. When he's doing his combo, you just glide and he can't do anything to you. Like like his ground, like his ground light uh, column. Yeah, all of, all of his little laser blasts that chase you and stuff like that. Fucking cake to oh. dodge with glide. It's ridiculous how much easier this fight is in data battle form. <laughs> all right, then. So yep. that gets us through all of the data battles. And that unlocks the it? final treasure chest in the game, which gives you the another update to Sora's crown. It'll turn it silver if it's your second. And that's the order we're going. Yes. So now... We told you all these stories to get to this last one. Yes. Let's talk about the hardest fight in the game, Lingering Will, and one of my favorite optional bosses in any video game ever. Yeah, I went back and did it, and I agree with you, John. It is such a cool optional boss. And as part of the This Will Be Important Later packet, Kingdom Hearts likes to include a character from the next major story game as the hardest optional boss. Like in the how in first Final Mix we had Unknown, which was actually Zemnis. Yep. And this time we have a guy called Lingering Will. Let's talk a bit about how we get to him first. So this fight is located in a strange portal in Disney Castle. Or specifically, it's in the Hall of the Cornerstone. I don't know why. Because it has vague magic bullshit, probably. Yeah, Chip and Dale are also flummoxed about this. They don't even know why it's there. They're trying to figure out why it's a cornerstone. Yeah, no one knows why it's a cornerstone. It is one of the great mysteries of Kingdom Hearts. So we go into the portal and we're in this barren, something between a valley and a plateau. Like this, you can see yeah. these, there's like this, this, these Just a, great chasms cut through the ground. It's really barren. There's a dust storm. As the dust storm rises, we see one of the figures we saw in Gathering, the secret ending movie. Like the largest of the three armors. Yep, it's a suit of armor with jackal ears and a massive broadsword keyblade. He's kneeling like a statue with a sword plant in the ground in front. I envision like a memorial statue of a knight, like where their head is below the hilt of the sword, their arms are reaching up to it, and they're kneeling like in prayer. This guy looks to me like he belongs in Common Rider. He really yeah. does. He does. Not, I would say he's not buggy enough, but I know what you mean. Uh, so he, he belongs in some kind of tokusatsu thing. My, yes. I'll put him in, we'll put him in Metal Heroes. That's where you get the uh, stuff that's not specifically any theme. Okay. It seems to stir with life and awakens. A voice, barely perceivable, sounded like a low metallic roar groans. As, as if we're hearing joints, like creak with rust is the sound. Aqua. Then. So just to clarify, no spoken words are actually heard. The sound seems to connect to the subtitled lines. The figure recognizes Sora's keyblade and he inquires who he is. I know you. We met before. Way back when. No, you're not the one I chose. He then asks a potent question. Where is he? Zay. Ah, uh, Nort. Is that you? Zeha Nort. Zeha Nort. He draws his keyblade. And we fight. And the... the we die immediately. Yeah, and we, and we die immediately. Um... So the theme that picks up for this fight is called Rage Awakened. It is incredible to listen to. One of the it's coolest songs. Theme. It is like, what, what would instrument would you say it is? Synthesized strings is the main thing I call it. Like that high, that high pitched uh, melody line. While low strings and brass are doing this driving uh, rhythm, there's this high string play, but it's very synthesized in style. I would say that there's kind of a synth organ in the back later in the song, too. Mm -hmm. Like it's 
it is just a really cool song to die a million times to. <laughs> the funny thing, you know what the instrumentation makes me think of ever so slightly is Frog's theme. I mean, that's a little bit more like a, that's a little bit more like it's a flute style thing, but it has that it actually has the sound of a knight in it that that does in many ways. Only much interesting. Finer. Good pull. You, you like that one then from the, the sound? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So basically this fight, this this song has the tone. Well, obviously has the epic tone to it, but it's very minor in cries. It is, yeah, this this song is crying all the way through it like it is. And screaming. Yeah. It, yeah, it you is. have that really, uh, you know, like lamenting violin in the in the foreground doing the melody. Yeah, and it, in the background, it 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 very much sounds like the very depressing uh, background with the the synth organ and the the driving uh, synth strings in the background yeah. too. And I'm not yeah. sure we describe this guy well enough. We call him a suit of armor, but he is extremely imposing. Like he's these dark, muting, silver and brown color. Yeah, he's really tall as well. He's he, he's probably at least two heads above Sora height, and his keyblade is ridiculously massive. Yeah, it's a massive keyblade. It has a bunch of uh, crazy prongs on it. It looks yeah. really cool, it, and it's not it, like nothing we've seen in Kingdom Hearts so it's, far. It's like a in terms of its scale and the size of its end, it makes you think of Saiyak, so it's much more refined, and it looks more like a broadsword than a weird crazy sword. Yeah, yeah it's also double sided, which is unlike a lot of the keyblades we have as well. As I actually would describe his colors. I would say it's more re- like rust red than brown. Looking at it again, like he's this sort of yellowed silver and rust red. He that gives a real aged look to him. Yeah, yeah he, he, the surfaces are that rusty red, and then you have a kind of a silvery trim. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you look at him, they kind of I don't know if it's just the picture I have. I feel like they kind of gave him a slight pitted texture in the fight. Yeah, I think they did. Like, he's supposed to be a bit decayed, I think. He, yeah, he looks very decayed and aged. He, he is a statue that's been standing in this windswept, uh, dusty plain for for years, and it, it shows. So I'm going to talk about the fight for a bit. Um, oh, I never got near this fight. OK, so this fight, he has a lot of attacks and he only chooses a few of them at the start of the fight that he will actually use as a rotation. So that means that the, they knew that you were going to die a lot for this fight. And so they made it so that you had different patterns to learn so that eventually when you finally got went into the kill, you would be able to react to anything he threw at you. I love that. It's a really good design. It also means you're ex- you have the fight is extended because you have to figure out which ones he's using. And it'll take multiple fights to learn them. So that yeah. extends your extends your number of fails. <laughs> yeah. So, like, uh, let's go over some of those attacks that he'll pick. Uh, so there's Rising Sun, which is just he dashes three to seven times with his Keyblade. He's vulnerable after that. Ah, he's, he's doing dive bombs from Bahamut. Yep. Uh, <laughs> he has what I have affectionately called his Space Bike, which he dashes three to seven times on a Space Bike, which has slightly different patterns. This hovering cyberpunk bike appears and he just rides on it. It's motorcycle styles. It's got the handlebars and everything. Yep. He's vulnerable after that. It's the Wario uh, bike. Mm. Yeah. No, not I'm kidding. Eat it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another move that he has is Blade Whip, where he turns his Keyblade into a radius of death around him. He's vulnerable after that as well. What does it look like? Like what? Like, like it looks like he's created a bunch of little tiny blades that are flying all around him. Oh, I hate I hate to go to it, but makes you you remind me of Bleach when you say that. Is it kind of like? Yeah, 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 kind of. I mean, kind of. Kind of like a lot of action RPGs, most of your at- chances to attack are going to be right after you successfully dodge an attack. So There's going to be a small. My understanding is he doesn't give you big windows. He does not. No, he doesn't. You, you've really got to just go in, 
hit him once or twice and then back off because you really can't stun lock him very much. Well, you can get him into a good combo, but once he breaks out of your combo, get the fuck away. Yeah. I remember I read Kingdom Hearts 2 bosses have revenge counters. Like there's a number of hits after which they'll break the combo, come after you. Yeah, that's right. In one later game, they made that random, which was harder. But I imagine he's got a very tight one there. Yep. Which is why I know some people prefer to use the negative combo to get to the finish quickly and, so, and do all the damage and then get away. I don't like that as much, uh, part, but like there's also ways to cheese it. I'll talk about that a bit later that well, I we tried and could not get to work. Yeah, we got more uh, attacks to go through. Yeah, we have more attacks to go through. So there's the punch rush where he does three quick punches. He <laughs> is vulnerable after this. It's not recommended because he will almost always go into his next attack really quickly. Yeah, when I did this one, I, I called this one a fool's opening. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, it's, oh it's the sucker. Yeah, he if he opens with this, get the fuck away. <laughs> like, what's he likely to come up with next? The next one on the list? Uh, no, if he comes up with the next one on the list, it's great because you can just bounce it back. It's Ultima Cannon. Ultima Cannon, he creates a huge cannon with his keyblade and shoots a giant blast at you that hones it on Sora even after it gets pushed back. He can do some crazy shit with his keyblade, might I say. Oh, yeah. But if you push the attack back at him, it'll usually take multiple hits. Or if you're in close you with one hit. It will stun him and it creates a great opening. This is the best attack to counterattack him on. I mean, doesn't his we didn't we kind of glossed over. Doesn't his keyblade turn into the bike? Uh, yes. No, actually, yes, it no. does. Does I don't think the keyblade turns into the bike. Oh, OK. Uh, actually, maybe I think it does. Actually, you're right. Yes, it does. His yeah, keyblade I think turns it does. Into the bike. Yeah, yeah. So he gets to do some shit with the keyblade we never even heard of. Yep. Yep. Uh, so then he has two more commands that you do not want to get caught by. And you do not want to counterattack because there's either curse command lock or curse lightning lock. Curse command lock where he he locks your attack or magic command and you have to break a small amount of health on him to free it. You so that also means that you have to use magic if he freezes your attack. It sucks. Do not get hit by this. Yeah, it's terrible. But But if he locks your magic, is that less severe or is it the healing problem? It prevents you from healing. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, and and then, is that both the attacks or is there another one? Curse Lightning Lock is his other one, and it's the absolute worst. He traps Sora in a lightning and creates a roulette on your command bar that rotates with a single escape command that you need to hit. It is the worst thing to get caught in, and it doesn't leave him open after you break free. So, like, mm. do not get caught by this. It will end more of your runs than any other command. Are these all attacks you can use from the start? He will pick four of these attacks as his basic rotation, including the curses. I was under the impression those were phase two. The curses would come out. No, no. The curses he can use right away. Oof. Fortunately, this is all of the normal attacks that he does. And so yep. once you learn these, you're you're doing OK. Yeah, I don't know. I've seen the speed he moves. I'm not convinced that that's as easy as you're saying. Oh, it, it trust me, that's the easy phase. <laughs> the hard phase <laughs> is when he breaks out his desperation move, which I took to call Omni Slash. There's probably a better name for it. It's his Omni Slash, though. Something needs an Omni Slash. <laughs> it has three phases. The first phase is a series of blockable attacks. The second is a huge AOE blast around him. And so each phase has him teleport or fly behind Sora. Oh, and the, and the third phase is also a series of blockable attacks. So it's like blockable attacks, AOE blast, blockable attacks. So the way you do this is you guard the first phase, just like just regular old square guard. Do not use reflect or anything like that because he cannot be damaged. Then you fly away towards one of the walls for the second hit, and then you block the third while your back is to the wall. This is very important because you do not want to get knocked away because this is in the final phase. 
all of his other moves, he no longer has his window of vulnerability after he beat them. This is the only time you are able to deal damage to him. He's rotating his other moves, but you can't hit him after them? Yes. You have to completely stay away from him and wait for him to do his Omni Slash, survive the Omni Slash, and get it into a big combo. How much of his health bar is this section? Uh, Three health bars remaining. Oof. It's nasty. If you are at level 99, you can usually take him down in two Omni Slashes. And so, so you get two combos on him. Yep. Is what you need. All yep. right. Winning gets you your final dive gauge buff. Yay. And, and the gold crown. Mm hmm. Yep. Lingering Will recognizes your power. He takes a knee silently. He doesn't even look damaged. Yep. <laughs> and our crown's fully upgraded. And now we have done it. We have done everything. We have met all the requirements in any difficulty mode to unlock the expanded secret movie that follows Gathering. Birth by Sleep. Much like the gathering, we begin with seeing the answer reports scroll in the background. We are told again how the Keyblade is said to hold phenomenal power, and how the legend Sayers saved the world destroyed it. We see the armor is riding, and this time we will certainly recognize Lingering Willig. In addition, we realize that one of the other two armors is the armor that is in this called his old friend. The third one is not familiar, but is the smallest. The armors approach three keyblades stuck in the ground. Keyblades are the original Kingdom Key, Mickey's Key of Darkness, and the Way of Dawn Keyblade. The Lingering Will grabs the Kingdom Key, Zendis' old friend grabs the Key of Darkness, and this third armor will take the Way to Dawn. The camera pulls away to once again show the Keyblade graveyard, three of them in a large clearing exit with it. The region also looks familiar to where we just fought Lingering Will. The shadowy figure approaches fades the darkness to the promise that will begin with birth by sleep. The tale of truth yet to be told now will begin. The video returns. The dark figure resolves into an ancient looking man, wicked in appearance, bald and sinister. He is wearing Ansem Seeker of Darkness outfit with an undershirt. He clones himself and a shadowy figure appears and resolves into a new figure a helmeted man wearing the gear similar to Riku's old dark outfits. The lingering whale stops the third armor from charging and instead moves himself in. The old man raises his arm and a massive pillar of rock rises, smashing the lingering whale from beneath and raising him into the air. A second pillar rises in front of it, with both the evil figures standing on it, rising well above lingering whale. The helmeted figure jumps down from a pillar and calls down massive lightning on Lingering Will, leaving him smoldering and cracked all over his armor. We see more pillars erupt in the background as both other armors run by Lingering Will's form, the blue armor first followed by the smaller armor. The old man makes the sky turn dark. His hands call up a whirlwind, drawing keyblades falling over the ground into it and making a massive vortex with swirling blades. The smallest armor fights the dark figure briefly, with the blue armor assisting by shooting ice for covering fire. The Keyblade Storm comes flying down. The Dark Figure jumps onto a blade at the front and surfs on it, shooting huge blasts of ice at the other armors. The small figure gets knocked to the ground, but gets up and jumps back at the helmeted Dark Figure. They exchange blows, and the blue armor shoots a lightning blast at the helmeted figure, but who runs away on the Keyblade Storm. Linger Will runs under the Keyblade Storm's body, but gets smacked off a cliff. He slows his fall by plunging his Keyblade into the cliff, but the cliff gives way and he begins to fall. The blade storm erupts from the ground underneath the blue armor. She is carried into it and thrown back, and the storm then slams the lingering well, knocking him back and forth as he falls to the ground. The blue armor also falls. 
The third armor checks on the blue armor, whose face is broken, and we can now see her blue hair to match the armor's color. She pulls herself out and fires a bolt of light deep into the Keyblade Storm, forming a shield around Wingreen Will. He is carried to the apex of the storm by the shield, which stops for a second, and then it explodes. The old man smirks at the light. We get a good look at the features of the blue-haired woman, and she is shocked, but the other armor runs off to help Lingering Will. Lingering Will falls to the ground, keyblades clattering and slamming the ground around him. His armor is damaged, the ear is broken, and we can see his mouth and chin through the broken helmets. He pulls himself to his feet, and he clashes blade with the old man with his wicked-looking black-and-white keyblade. Lingering Will makes no headway, and he is pushed back. The old man freezes his arm with a casual spell, which begins to spread up to his shoulder. The third armor jumps behind the old man, who blurs away like a teleportation. We do not even see him take a step, but we see his hand come up behind the third armor and grab him by the nape of his neck, casually. Lingering Will looks on shot as the helmet starts to break under the old man's grip. Lingering Will is struck from below by the Keyblade Storm, and the helmeted figure lands to join the old man. Lingering Will falls, pummeled and smashed by the Keyblade Storm all the way down the pillar. The blue-haired girl looks up in shock as it zooms from her viewpoint up to the top of the pillar, where the old man breaks the third armor's helmet, and then he is blanketed by black fire and then ice, freezing solid. The old man casually drops the third armor off the cliff. The armor breaks as he falls and clatters against the rock. We get a good look at his face as the blue-haired girl catches him. Roxas? Unable to move, his eyes twitch and try to focus on her as she holds him. The old man raises his hand, his keyblade turning into a ball of dark purple energy. He shoots it to his sky. The lands shake. The clouds swirl and part, and the blue Kingdom Hearts moon f- begins to descend. So the old man clenches his fist in triumph. As we see Lingering Will in the littered Keyblade graveyard, the words appear. Destiny is never left to chance. Lingering Will rips off his helmet. The hair is shorter and brown. His eyes are blue, but he has the face of Zehanort. As he glares upwards, gasping for air, his eyes turn a bright, sinister yellow. More text appears. Kingdom Hearts. From the distance, we see the Mesa with its many pillars and Kingdom Hearts descending. Destiny is inevitable. And the last thing we see is a serious-looking Mickey in dark clothing carrying the Star Seeker's Keyblade. At long last, destinies gather. To awaken a new new tale. tale. All right. So, that is a trailer, all right? <laughs> we got There's a lot, a lot of, of stuff, and oh yeah, a lot of people we don't even know. Even we don't yeah, know what is up the armor that we just beat up. Yeah, and and when we saw the face under the armor, it's just like we what? beat that too. We beat that guy up too. Yeah. Um. So I definitely remember way back when this fir- trailer first appeared in the Zeitgeist when Final Mix came out in Japan, and just like the whole slew of discussion around it, like, oh man, who's that old guy? Oh, man, why does that kid look like Roxas? Oh, man, who's the girl with the blue hair? Why does that guy look like Xehanort? Like, it's just, it's such a cool action scene, too. But it's, by like, the time Final Mist came out, I had kind of fallen off. Like, the stuff coming next had not really caught my interest. So I really missed this entirely. I think it's a really good scene. And it's like, if Deep Dive was a pitch for the next stage of Kingdom Hearts, this is the pitch for the stage after that. Back at Gathering... Nomura said he first designed the armor because before this video, he didn't know what these characters were going to look like, and he didn't want more cloaks. Yeah. <laughs> now, he's clearly, now, some time passed. He's figured it out now, but... And he's kind of lying when he says he doesn't know what these characters look like, because he does. 
Well, back during Gathering, before this one was made, the simple one, which was just the armors and the blurry figure. True, true. That's what he was referring to. Like, by birth, by sleep, he's figured it out. But I liked that the armor existed just because he didn't want to repeat himself. Mm-hmm. There's something very charming about that. I designed, I designed complex knight armor because I wanted something different. I'm going to say that I actually kind of don't trust that. You think he's lying fully. Okay. <laughs> I think he knows a bit more about what he has in mind and why he doesn't want to use cloaks here. <laughs> I personally have a theory about why he made these armors, but we'll talk about it when we start talking about the next game. He even mentioned Armored Zemnis and talked about how he had to limit or remove the cloaks because that one was so ridiculous. I think that's shit. The end of Kingdom Hearts 2. We've made it. Holy crap. It all took us is 13.5 episodes. And I don't even want to think about how long the uh, full the listen time is at this point. Hopefully oh, not boy. as long as the game. Yeah. But yeah, I said this game. Whew. As always, because we are uh, trying to keep ourselves playing other games and not just sticking to one thing, next week is going to be a mini log before we get back into more Kingdom Hearts. Uh, and I'm excited because next week we're going to talk about my favorite video game ever, CrossCode. CrossCode is a really nice game. And we're going to keep it rolling after that, because after that, we're going to one of the most ambitious story things Kingdom Hearts has tried yet with 358 over two days. Yep. So without further ado, then, I'm John. I'm Jared. And I'm Matt. And remember, a good story is best enjoyed with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlogdialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. When the fear is gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. I, I can't do it too silly because it's so serious. Like, yeah. gosh. A, I, I you really to... need Goofy's high. You're like, hi, neighbor. Like that one. Yeah, yeah. So like, that, that one's hard because, like, I can. It's like it's so. It's real, It's literally written to be monotonous. Yeah, yeah. That, that one's right. hard because I'd have. I could probably try to get a good take of it if you want to use it. For I, something, I, but... I want to try doing it as a Mickey voice now. One second. Yeah, go for it. That's the easier one to do serious stuff in. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. Ha ha. I will face my fear. I'll permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. With face my fears, uh, hmm. Oh yeah, face my fears is the name of the uh, Third Kingdom Hearts opening theme, isn't it? Fucking hell. Oh, no. <laughs> the, one with, the one with dubstep in it, right? Yeah, it's the one with, with, with Skrillex. With Skrillex. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucking Skrillex. Hello, Stella. You're on camera right now. Not camera. You're on microphone right now. Do you have anything you want to say? No? You don't have anything you want to say, Stella? Yeah.